0: Hey, folks, I'm Jeremiah, and welcome to Working at Work, the show designed to help folks to show up and be their full selves at work. At, work, at work. Folks, today I'm joined by one of the most important voices in journalism, in my opinion. He is the LGBTQ reporter at a media company called The 19th, doing some important work to highlight issues for this community. Folks, I give you Orion Rumler. Orion, welcome to Working at Work, and happy Pride Month.
1: Happy Pride Month, Jeremiah. It's so great to talk with you again.
0: Same here, same here. So uh, the last time we connected, Orion, I think it was, I don't know if it was January or February at the National Press Club, whenever that was, and it feels like ages ago. <laughs> um, but the summer is upon us now, and I just love, would love to get a sense of how your spring and your summer has been so far. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um uh so this spring honestly covering lgbtq issues this year has uh so far been the most intense year Mm -hmm. and i've only been doing it for a few years um and it so i started the 19th in 2021 which and i've been focused on lgbtq issues basically like the whole time i've been here and then axios like the tail end of when i was leaving Axios, i was covering most lgbtq issues but anyway this year has been really intense um just in the scope of the legislation we've seen Hmm. um and going beyond legislation like how some states are trying to use like executive power which we saw in previous years uh hints of that um but it's been intense but i feel like we're keeping up with the coverage and what i've enjoyed about this month especially about pride month is that i've gotten to write a few stories that highlight like um voices in our community outside of all of the negative news. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always my favorite part of what I get to do is just like talking with, I mean, regular people isn't the way to put it, but like when I get to talk with people just about their lives, like just about how they are and like where where they're at. So I've enjoyed doing that for Pride Month, especially.
0: Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that's been, um you know, a silver lining in that for you. um You know, we've worked together for, uh, a brief time a few years ago, and I've come to know many reporters and journalists and, you know, being exposed to the news, usually a lot of the the heart wrenching stuff um, makes my heart go out to all of our journalist colleagues. And so when I hear so at, at, at least most recently with, you know, all the news that has been taking place around the LGBTQ community, especially the uh, the the stuff that's hard to talk, the stuff that's hard to hear. Um you being a journalist in writing about a topic that is so dear to you how have you been um you know protecting your own mental health how have you been protecting your sanity um and still being able to be a voice for this community doing the work that you do like how do you walk that fine line of taking care of yourself while in another way taking care of others
1: thank you um protecting my sanity ha- is uh, much easier because I have a really good editor who uh, is also protective of my mental health and emotional health because um, she understands that it does take a toll, which I think is also a feature of our newsroom at large at the 19th, because what we try to ask people to do is to like bring your full self to uh, whatever you're covering, um, which is part of what I do as a trans man, a transgender man like reporting on this community is really important to me. And I'm also intimately familiar with like how a lot of the people I interview, like how they feel. Um, So I have a good editor that I trust and who trusts me um, and who also knows, I have an editor who also knows when to say like, maybe you should take a step back. Like maybe like you need to consider taking a step back because she's, used to dealing with reporters including myself like we're used to just pushing ourselves like as far as we can go um but she'll always like point out that like you don't have to and it's not sustainable all the time um i also have a good therapist which i recommend um especially if you're covering any kind of trauma um you know which doesn't have to be about LGBTQ issues like i've reported on stalking and sexual assault and um suicide and those have all been really tough stories and um, I think it's really important to find ways to like talk. What I do is like I need to talk to friends about things like this, but I I don't want to put everything on my friends and that's why it's good to have a therapist. we like someone who you can put everything on. Um, to me, that's why it's so important.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel that I feel that. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into journalism in the first place. I mean, like you talked a little bit about what you're experiencing today. Um, how, what made you say, I want to be a journalist, right? Do you ever look back and I just kind of a double question, but do you ever look back on those times where you made the decision to be a journalist and go, man, like, why did I do this? Um, but, but talk to me a little bit about how you got into it in the first place.
1: Right. So in college, I, I uh, was double majoring in English and um like journalism mass communications and i wasn't sure what i wanted to do with that um but then i think back to like when i decided to be a journalist like i was also doing the high school paper but it's kind of ironic because when i was younger i was like i knew there was one thing i didn't want to be which was a journalist. (laughs) actually (laughs) it's like the one thing i didn't want to be doing like i wanted to write fiction books um I still write poetry and like journal in my spare time. But that was one thing I didn't want to be. Uh, <laughs> but then I was also just doing like the high school paper and then the college paper I was like, oh, this is actually I'm into this. Um, and I think doing uh because in when I was a freshman in college in undergrad, the very first extracurricular thing I did was get into the college newspaper. And I think reporting on uh stories on my college campus, whenever I joined The student newspaper, which I did for all four years, that was when I actually started to get invested in it. It wasn't really sitting in a classroom learning about journalism. It was reporting on a couple of stories on campus. Trump was elected whenever I was in um, uh, college and undergrad. And so there were a lot of protests going on and so I enjoyed covering those. Um, The student newspapers got me into it, but I think the reason I stay in journalism is whenever I get to have a conversation with someone and they tell me something extraordinary about their life that they think is incredibly boring and I get to be like, that's not boring that's actually fascinating what you're doing is very cool, like who you are is is interesting to people and this happens so often where people just don't think their perspectives or, li- or lives are interesting so that's, that's why I stay
0: got you, got you, would you say um it was overall challenging to in get into journalism? Um, and I asked that of you from, a, from the perspective of a trans man. Was it challenging from that perspective in any way?
1: So I think I got lucky, which I also think is part of why anyone is successful. Uh, but the way I got my first journalism job at Axios was through uh, meeting Ina Breed, um, at the NLGGA Queer Journalism Conference.
0: Amazing journalist, by the way. Amazing journalist.
1: Yes, she's incredible. And so yeah. I went, you know, and I was a student, I signed up to go do their student fellowship, and one of the mentors at the student fellowship was basically like, you need to go meet Ina, because you're... Tra-. Well, she didn't say it like this, but she was like, you're... She knew that I needed to go make trans mentors in journalism, which is why... Like so that connection is why I got my first job is is a ment is one of the student mentors saying, like, Orion Ryan needs to meet trans people who are in this industry. So yeah, I think that's that's how I got into it.
0: And that reminds me actually when we saw each other in Chicago at you know, GJA, the Association for LGBTQ plus journalists. Um, you were working with some youth there to help them navigate a career fair that was that that was happening in Chicago where we had ran into each other last year. Um, and it makes me think about and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you're sort of, you know, giving back in some ways the way, you know, you 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 benefited from a mentorship from uh, with Ina and being connected with Ina. And when I think about that quick conversation we had in Chicago, it feels like you're sort of serving as, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, the Ina for others. Um, is am I right? Am I right in some way in saying that?
1: thanks I I hope you are I mean that's that's what I want to do and that's why I was so excited uh, when my friend Jamal asked if I would be one of the mentors for the students because yeah that was the same like being in that program was the reason I got a job and I was really excited to to do that because in um Uh, Being a mentor for that, it meant we each got two student journalists and we were their editors and we also helped, like we helped guide them through writing local stories and also help them with networking, which is when we ran into each other at the job fair. And it made me really happy, especially because there were a couple students who were wondering about their gender identity and, and also, you know, are just wondering about that. And so it makes me really happy when I can... Be in a space to say like I'm here to help you you know to help you advance your career and also to like help you like practice journalism but I'm also here if you just want to talk about gender with someone who's you know gone through that and maybe you haven't talked about it with someone who also, also like working in the field you're working in so that's really special to me
0: Love that that's a beautiful story Um well, we talked Prior to setting up this conversation, we were talking a little bit about how your early, you know, journalism career was in some ways a bit challenging. You were, you know, trying to figure things out. You had to struggle with your, you know, your confidence a little bit. When I got to meet you, uh, gosh, it's crazy to think we've been known each other around four years now. But you always appeared to be someone who was comfortable in your skin and pretty confident. Talk to me a little bit about the the, the the uncertainty or the struggle uh, with your confidence that got you to that point? Like what were the negative voices like, you know, what, how did you, how did you navigate to the space where you're this, this version of yourself now?
1: So I, what's helped me is seeing other journalists my age just promote themselves kind of relentlessly, which I think is something a lot of us need to do in order to like do the work that we care about. So I think, And, like, actually accepting that it is okay and good and encouraged to, like, promote the work that I'm doing and to, you know, not brag, but just, like, I should feel comfortable talking about my own accomplishments, which I'm still not 100% at, but that's something that I've just had to embrace is, like, no, I need to do this if I want to keep doing what I care about. Like, I need to lean into um, just being willing to... Like, I I can't be afraid of talking about myself and what I've done. So I think that that was one of the main lines. But yeah, I think at the uh, beginning, it was also just accepting that a lot of, like, so much of reporting is just you figuring it out as you go along. And I also wish someone would have told me that sooner.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in your answer there, I heard intentionality on your part to speak up for yourself and, you know, one of the things that I've come across in my journey to being my full self and bringing my full self to work was being intentional about showing up in a way that I knew I could show up. And for me, that meant silencing the negative voices. Right. Uh has it been the same for you? And if so, because it's very important for me to have like so many voices and different voices on this show so that my audience, which is a diverse audience, hear themselves and the speakers. So in you being intentional about speaking up for yourself and promoting yourself, what if to the extent to which you are willing to share, what are some of the negative voices that you had to combat?
1: Hmm. I appreciate this question because I think it's hard for us to admit that we have these but I think everyone does and I you know there's the negative voices I had early on of like um like you know you don't really know what you're doing or you know which I think also just comes with anybody when you're just starting out and then you learn like you are competent you just need to give yourself time to learn Um, but then there in terms of LGBTQ coverage one of the negative voices I had to spend more time like you know telling off was like do people even care about this like will people read this who aren't in the community like will people care what's happening to trans and lgbtq people and they do care but i think that's the one that i've had to spend more time be like no like people do care about this
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. give yourself time to learn people would you say that the person you are today is I don't know, a polarizing difference from who you were as a journalist uh, today versus who you were when you started out? And if so, how would you sum that person up?
1: I honestly don't think I'm that different than I was before. But I do think that, you know, as I've learned more about reporting and actually had the opportunities to do more of it, I think I'm just more confident about it and more confident in my own ideas and in my own pitches, which is another reason why it's good to have good editors who believe in you. Um, Because although it's important to have like back and forth conversations with editors and it's important for editors to like push you and and ask questions about your ideas, um, it's also important for, you know, when to know at their core, like an editor trusts you um to give you enough like space to write what you need to write um so i I don't think i'm that different
0: this brings another question to mind um so i just i spoke with Kalia ali um a couple of weeks ago Uh, she's the daughter of muhammad ali and uh, we did a father's day sort of special um talking about lessons she's learned from him that people can apply to themselves in the workplace. And the question, one of the questions I asked her was, um, where, did she think, where did she think her father's unmitigated courage came from? And the answer she gave me, she gave me a beautiful answer, but the core of that answer was the fact that her grandmother, his mother, uh, instilled a lot of love and confidence in her son. So he got a leg up. So this like this, this confident physical specimen who just, you know, kicks all the ass he can kick and predicts his knockouts like that guy was being built at an early age. And you say that you don't feel like you've changed so much. So that the question I have now is, where do you think that started for you? Like with Muhammad Ali, it started with his love and nurturing with the love and nurturing of his mother. With you, where do you think your personality comes from? If you, if you know, since you haven't changed that much, where do you think it all comes from for you?
1: Thank you so much, Jeremiah, and I appreciate this question. I mean, with my parents from the beginning, they were always really supportive of, um, like believing, like encouraging me to believe I could do whatever I tried to do as long as I like really tried at it. And with my dad, he is, well, both of my parents have always been supportive. My dad, especially, was always encouraging me to write. You know, he, I remember him like coming up and, because uh, I was pretty, you know, I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid and then also a lot of time solo, but he would like come check on me and I'd be writing. He'd be like, oh, okay, keep writing. Don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> um, and he always, he, uh, you know, he was always telling me how important it is to journal um so that's why i was journaling so much as a kid is he you know not like he was strict about it but he was like you should journal like you need to write down your thoughts and like work through them which i always appreciated um, but i i do think the core of what i got from my parents is that you kind of have to single-mindedly work on something just i admire my my parents a lot yeah
0: well it's important for parents listening that last question and that last answer, I think, is something that we should continue to try to take to heart when when raising our children while we're, you know, while we're working at work. Right. Um, invest in them and pour into them. Um, you see what it did for Muhammad Ali. You see what it's done for Orion Rumler. So I want to pivot a little bit and talk about the environments that we thrive in. So the first job I had was in a mail room <laughs> in D.C. at a D.C. nonprofit and it was the uh, it was like one of my first like real jobs and it was the first job i really felt like i could bring my full self to work before bringing one's full self to work was a hot topic um and before it was something that i even knew was a thing um i was i was bringing my full self to work i was just being me and i had this revelation a few months ago actually maybe last year actually and The reason I was able to do that was because everybody in my department looked like me. It was a full uh, eight-person staff of black people. And it wasn't until I left that team to work with another team within the company. So I moved around a little bit and found my way into HR and recruiting. It wasn't until I left that department to work with the HR team and accounting teams where not everyone looked like me was when I started to present a certain way again, I wasn't aware of it really as like not showing up as my full self, but I just knew that I felt different. I knew that there was a lot of effort going into how I was presenting myself um mm. you know I would be tired mentally and emotionally and not even know why right mm. and you know, so I was at that company for a while, I left there in twenty eighteen and in retrospect, I looked back at who I was and how I was around my entirely entirely black team versus my mixed team. And it was, you know, a couple of years ago that I got to a place where I am now my full self, no matter who's in the room, no matter what my team is made up of. And so for me, it took the environment of inclusivity, um, kindness, respect, right? Just being being in a place where I feel 100% seen. Um, And this is probably the same answer that anyone else can give, but I would love to get a sense of the kind of environment that you thrive in. Um, The newsroom is a little bit different than most other occupations, uh, occupational, occupational spaces. So talk to me a little bit about what kind of environment you thrive in to help continue to boost your confidence. You talked about having a great editor um, as someone who is a good support system. Um, What other external factors play into you bringing your full self to work, Orion?
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I think um, at the 19th, some of what uh, has encouraged me to be more myself is, um, well, it's also small, but just the, the fact that like, we have a lot of queer and trans people on staff. Um, So in in that way, at the 19th I felt more like I can be myself because like there's, I'm not the only one. Right. When I was at college, at one point I was like one of two out trans people on my college campus. Um, And that that kind of situation is not great. Um, But in, in terms of what helps me thrive at work, is there has to be an understanding that what i'm reporting on like i like although it emotionally affects me like it doesn't mean i'm not like qualified to do it in my mind it makes me more qualified um because i have a real investment in what i'm covering like i really have to get it right and i understand the consequences if i do not get something right in a story about these policies that are affecting like the people I'm writing about in ways in which they would affect me like I really have to cover the impact of it so I need to be in a newsroom that understands like this is what I'm bringing as someone who lives this experience like I'm bringing community connections that matter for coverage and like it the newsroom should see that as a plus like something they can't get anywhere anywhere else and it should be a newsroom that wants that like actually wants to elevate people in those communities like when i'm like when i'm covering the you know the legislation and the the bad policy like that matters so much but it should also it also needs to be a newsroom that like cares about like what's uh like we want to highlight a conversation among like black trans men like that's an important story for us we should highlight that like that to me is 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 a newsroom that I thrive in, like one that that cares about doing all of that.
0: I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that uh, that last piece. I want to pivot really quick. You just did. Uh, you just launched a story um, about uh, Black trans men. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about talk to the audience rather about uh, what that article was all about? And to be honest, um, it was you know I don't identify as a trans man, but I am a Black man. And when I read this article, it was just like uh, an aha moment for me. I didn't know that the the issues in the article, I'll let you speak to it, but I didn't know didn't know that the issues in that article um existed in the broad way that it does. So I'll talk to uh, the audience a little bit about what you just launched today.
1: Thank you so much. And that that's really special to hear, Jeremiah, that you like the the article and related to it that way. So it was really special for me to write. Um and it was uh so eight a Black trans men applied to be at a workshop led by the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, which is like the, the research arm mm-hmm. of that organization. And it was outside Atlanta. It was a day-long workshop about leadership. Um, Like they had a couple like lectures, but they also had a lot of like unstructured group discussion time, mm-hmm. which is my favorite time because then I got to <laughs> ask some <them> questions about, <laughs> right, I got to ask some questions about um, like what they... Uh, like what they need and what they've been through and what they're proudest of. And I also love that faith came up a lot for them Mm. because I don't think uh, faith in LGBTQ community gets a lot of attention, but uh, faith was really important to a lot of them where they get their strength from. And so, yeah, I just got to join like a gathering of of eight Black trans men, which was important to me because I'd never been in a space like that and a couple of these guys, most of them have been in advocacy for a long time. And for most of them, they had also never been in a space like that of just other Black trans men. And some of these guys were in their 40s and 50s. Um, so that was startling to me. And yeah, so to me, it was like, it. I felt a lot of pressure to do that story well, because it was like I was being handed a time capsule that I wanted to save to have people See, like, oh, this is what we could have,
0: Mhm,, mm-hmm. and they were talking about their their time to shine, right um, I remember one gentleman talked about how he takes a step back for his queer sisters so that they can hear their voices, um but he asks himself when when is someone gonna step back or when is when is it gonna be my time to to share my voice? um Can you talk a little bit about that,
1: right? I love that perspective um, that he was talking about, which was, like, that Black trans men um, and also trans men in general, but he was talking to his own experience of Black trans men. Like, they deserve to, like, have their own space to put their needs and their voices first, which he was saying feels like it can be difficult uh, to do, especially, like, from his perspective, which is, like, I want to put women first. Like, I want people to hear voices from trans women but i also so he was he was saying like he how can we the the overall checks was like that more queer spaces need to prioritize like can we also create like a safe space for like to talk about masculinity and like trans men like to to explore this because it's also important and it's also healing um to have like an all-male space in that way
0: mm-hmm. love that so as i mentioned before um you know, I think, and we're talking a little bit about why I think your voice is one of the most important in the media landscape now. Um, do you believe in the power of your own voice, Orion? Do you ever doubt yourself? Um, you talked a little bit earlier about how you wonder if people will care about what you're writing, but do you do you have confidence in the power of your voice and the message that you're sharing?
1: That's a good question <laughs> because I I do but I'm I also realize that I think sometimes I'm in denial about the impact that I have or the potential impact um because there are a lot of trans journalists um but there's not a lot of high profile trans journalists not that I think I'm like super high profile but the like I was having a conversation with my colleague Kate Dawson who also is our LGBTQ reporter the 19th and we were having a good conversation and they are doing what they frequently do, which is to remind me that, <laughs> like, uh, like remind, because I went to a book talk with, uh, like, I watched a book talk with Elliot Page recently. And I was like, that was such a good conversation I just watched. And Kate was like, why don't you go interview Elliot Page? And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And Kate was like, yes, you can. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Like, maybe that could happen. And Kate was like, yes, like, no shit, which is not how they said it. Um, so anyway, (laughs) like, yes, I do. I'm, I'm grateful that I have seen some of the impact of my stories. Like whenever people share that a story has really resonated with them, I'm reminded that yes, like this does matter. People reading it. This is affecting Mm -hmm. people like my voice and like what I'm sharing matters. Um, but sometimes it can be easy to forget.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. You have people to, kind of remind you. Sounds like you got people in your life to remind you and that's always a good support system to have. Uh, Orion, what advice do you have specifically? um, And I don't, I don't mean to, you know, put anyone on the spot or anything, but as I mentioned before, it's really important for me to have different voices on my show and have my audience hear their voices and hear their, uh, you know, hear perspectives from people in their community. So I think what you're going to say can impact everyone. Um, but the question I have for you is, you know, what advice would you give someone in the LGBTQ community who is struggling to find their workplace authenticity, find their ability to be their full selves? And, you know, in celebration of Pride Month, I've already have that question posed to you um, to speak to the people. Uh, again, anyone can benefit from it, but I want to hear from your perspective.
1: Thank you so much, Jeremiah. Um, and yeah, so for LGTBQ people, you know, who are thinking about, like, I really, like, want to be more authentic in the workplace. Like, I feel like I can't be like myself. Um, I will say that survival definitely comes first and your own safety comes first. If you know just flat out I'm at a workplace where I can't be totally out, um, like, you d- you don't have to shame yourself or, like, feel ashamed that you can't be your full self, because sometimes it's just not safe. Sometimes you do, you just get paid. Um, But I would also, so I'd say like, you can't shame yourself for that. Um, But you also, like you should also think about like your own worth and what your worth is being able to be all of you at work, Um, especially if you're trans. Because I know from experience, like I've worked jobs, especially before I transitioned where Like I just couldn't be out because I knew that because I hadn't physically transitioned yet. Like nobody was going to use the right pronouns. Like I just knew nobody would treat me right. So I just wasn't out, but it, it really sucks. And it really drains you emotionally. So I know it's not always possible, but like you're, you're worth it to be your full self. Um, So even if it's something you have to plan that has to be in the future, like you deserve to plan for it. Um, and it's I don't know, it like it may seem like a risk, like that, you know, it in some ways it might feel like you never have all your ducks in a row. Like it's might it's probably never gonna be perfect, like the perfect time to be totally out. But I think it'll be easier than you think. And there's always, in my experience, you're always gonna have at least one ally. In your workplace, even if it's not like someone in community, you can usually always find at least one person you can make friends with, and that's an important
0: place to start too. That's wonderful, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to end with a fun question, um, as we, you know, continue to, or as we wrap up uh, this show, and as we're going to be wrapping up, uh, celebrating, you know, Pride Month for this year. Um, what are some highlights for you uh during the celebration of Pride Month? I've been following you on Instagram and uh watching all the, the the fun pictures you've been taking. Um what's, you know, one highlight or two highlights that uh that you've taken away from your celebration? It can be anything fun, uh it can be anything that's inspiring or even profound.
1: I think um one thing for me is like that. I think subconsciously, like I thought I was like too old to enjoy some of the newer, like all of the fabulous like uh, queer YA books, or, like the the queer YA movie and TV Renaissance we're in. But I, my boyfriend was finally like, we should we need to watch Heartstoppers. Like you're gonna like it, and Heartstoppers is cute, like Netflix show about um, two uh, gay students who fall in love with each other. Um, and we finally watched it and I loved it so much. And then we, we were at pride together, DC pride, and we saw the heartstopper actors in the pride parade. And I absolutely lost my mind. Like I was a teenager <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'm not too old to enjoy like all of the queer joy out there. So yeah, so yeah that was, that was my favorite moment.
0: Oh, uh, that's awesome. You said, you said queer, queer YA, is that uh queer young adult? Is that what that means?
1: Yeah. We are in an okay. explosion of
0: queer YA
1: books right now. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's a fun story, Orion. Thank you for sharing it, man. Um, well, listen, as we wrap things up, man, um, I would love to, i like to get my listeners to connect with uh, my guests. So how can people follow you? What's the name of your newsletter? Uh, give them all the things they need to know to follow Orion Rumler.
1: Thank you so much. Now, so if you want to read more stories from the 19th, um, there's no paywall we're at 19thnews.org, and we have a bunch of newsletters. You can follow, uh, weekly and daily updates. Um, I'm also on Twitter for people who still do that. I still haven't <laughs> figured out a better alternative. Um, yeah. but it's at, I, uh, underscore O R I I O N. Um, but if you just find 19th news, you'll find my work. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Orion, you're a jewel of a human being, man. Thank you so much for lending your voice to the show. Thank you more importantly for your voice uh, covering LGBTQ plus topics. And thank you for joining us today at Working at Work.
1: Oh, Jeremiah, thank you so much. You're amazing.
0: So honest, so vulnerable, so good. I really appreciate Orion sharing his voice with us today and leaving some takeaways. The first, take pride in your accomplishments and don't be afraid to talk about them openly. Promote yourself. As a good friend of mine once said, your career is in your hands. You best believe there's a good chance no one's jotting down your accomplishments and good contributions are usually soon forgotten. So it's on us to remind folks. Secondly, if battling things like imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence comes your way, remember that you are competent. You have the ability to learn whatever it is and allow yourself time to learn it. And finally, when it comes to being out at work, it might not always feel safe to do so. So it's really important to put your safety first and not feel ashamed about it. At the same time, know your worth. You're worth being in a place where you can bring your full self to work, even if you have to plan for it. And remember, it's usually pretty easy to find at least one ally to help make that journey a little bit easier. So take care of yourself, fam. Be safe. And happy Pride Month. If you liked this episode and thought of at least one person who could benefit from hearing the story you just heard, share it with them. With all the negativity spreading in today's world, let's do our part and spread some positivity. Also, in the spirit of spreading positivity, I'd love it if you'd rate this show. Ratings help people find working at work a little bit easier. So listen, follow, rate, and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. Thanks, fam.